Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 283. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing pretty good. All right. Nice. That's great. Yeah. This week on the show, we'll be talking about Stefan Rezewitzki's German thriller, Cold Hell, along with some other stuff we've been watching on the watch list and previewing some new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for listening. Let's dive into this cold hell. I have a synopsis here. Vienna, a woman is witness to a murder in the neighborhood apartment. What? I like that it's actually just the neighbor apartment. Yeah. Vienna, a woman is witness to a murder in the neighbor apartment. (laughs) But she is also seen by the murderer, and her life turns upside down as she tries to protect herself. The police won't help her, but one detective gives her shelter. Dot, dot, dot. That is one of the worst... Oh my god. (laughs) Give me a break, guys. Uh, So this came out on Shudder this weekend, so if you have uh, a subscription to the streaming service Shudder, you can give it a look. It's one of their exclusives. Kevin, what'd you think of Cold Hell? Uh, It starts off rather promising. You got got the nighttime, you got the music going, she's a taxi driver, and just the way that it's kind of set up, you you get this like noir feel to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I was into it. And it turns out that she's badass, which, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about let's, that, but yeah. It's like, let's do this. This is going to be, I have a feeling I'm going to enjoy this one. But uh, unfortunately for me, I think the one, there's a lot of artistic or, you know, stylistic choices that are made that just really hamper the movie overall. Uh, but the main issue that i have with it is some of the like some of the the avenues that it travels with this narrative is just what the hell are they doing mm-hmm. and but my one my most this is the specific thing that this is where it kind of i was already kind of on the fence with the look of the film because it it looks uh it doesn't look good it, it screams. So one of the things we were, we were talking about, I think it was off the air that we were talking about this last week, that the poster, it just looks like a 90s mm-hmm. like erotic thriller or something. It just has that vibe to it. And I would say that the movie as a whole has that vibe where it, it, it I, f- I feel like sometimes it looks pretty good. Other times it looks very... Uh, I think I think the best word would be cheesy. It just oh, looks yeah. cheesy yeah. at times, and yeah. like you and the music that plays, like you have that kind of saxophone music that plays throughout, and it just it does sort of harken back to these these nineties thrillers, well, which I kind of liked actually. Yeah, which I didn't mind too much towards the beginning. I was like, okay, I'm I'm kind of into this, but again, a lot of the 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 choices that are made stylistically for me were like, it, it felt like it was actively fighting me to not like it. 
Like, I was trying to get into it, and I was like, yeah, but how about this? And it'd be, like, some cheesy camera movement or some shit. And it's just like, what the fuck are you doing? Just just play it straightforward, okay? Yeah, they and did. Then, yes, it, it was very, a lot of it was very stylized. Some of it worked for me, and some of it didn't. Some of it just looked downright terrible. Like, it was like the quality just out of nowhere just dropped. Yeah, it's really Like weird. four or five levels. <laughs> it's very odd. Because at times, there were some scenes where it almost looked like they used a different camera. <laughs> That's what I was... Th- it lo- I don't know if, like, they were renting equipment and they had to give it back. Like, they, they started out renting the high-end stuff. But they ran out of money, had to give that back. And then they're using lower quality stuff from yeah, it, that moment forward. Because it there's just like these shifts in quality where it's just like what is going on? Yeah, it was it was it was jarring. But like uh the one there's a scene where she gets attacked in a in a in her car. And when that scene occurs, I'm like, whoa, whoa what what just happened? Why does this look completely different to me all of a sudden? Yeah. And I feel like they used a different camera. I, I, I'm pretty sure they did. They had to. But I, for me, the, the big kind of um, the development that it just kind of shut the door on this whole thing for me was yeah. she's in the hospital. For whatever reason, I guess they have to have one of these scenes in there where she gets out of her hospital bed and she walks into the bathroom, looking herself in the mirror takes off her gown take for whatever reason it takes off like all of her bandages i don't know why like you can keep that stuff on she's a badass she wanted to view she wanted to view what this this killer did to her and it's also like it felt like an excuse just to show her naked once like oh we gotta show her naked so she does all that and then for whatever reason she says into the mirror essentially into the camera i'm going to kill you and you're like, oh shit, yes, here we go. We're gonna ratchet it up. Yeah. And it immediately goes absolutely fucking nowhere for like the next forty five minutes. Like, what the hell? They also during that scene they did it a, a sort of odd. They, they made an odd, uh, ca- not camera, but like more like a effect choice where they had her like moving did you notice that like when she was looking into the mirror and she says that they had her like body sort of sliding towards the mirror yes but but she wasn't like walking towards it they just like did this sort of zoom in type thing that made it look like she was floating towards the (laughs) mirror which Which, i thought was a little odd it was it was cheesy i mean that's the best word for a lot of the things that happened in this it was cheesy and i was like you know it was it was kind of set up to be this like a big moment and you're like well that's just kind of dumb but at the same time okay you're gonna ratchet it up we've already established that she's a badass so yes i would like to see her in more action so this is gonna be awesome and then immediately goes to like her going to her parents house and like trying to get the kid back and it's like what the fuck why if you stare into a mirror and you're like i'm gonna kill this serial killer i'm gonna kick his ass and then your immediate next move is let me go pick up this toddler real quick 
And then it's just like her like trying to find a place and there's like no action whatsoever. And you're just like, why? Why are we stalling? Yeah. I mean, they do they do get there eventually. Yeah, but it's... <laughs> it just feels just... out of place because you, you think that the... That she's, you know, you have this this ramp up and you think like, oh shit, she's going to hunt this motherfucker down. But then there's this sort of lull in between that happening and her yeah. dealing and with her. it's a massive lull. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm going to kill him. But first, I need to find a place to sleep. <laughs> so you could have just stayed at the hospital. Like, what? Because yeah. then they... They, I also felt that the whole thing with her dad was like forced. I didn't. I don't think we needed that. I think that that was a, a character building uh, element. I think that that's supposed to support her as a character and like why she is the way she is, where she's sort of sheltered and shut off from the world. She doesn't have very good social skills, and then she's also like super into self-defense and i think that maybe that's why they included that but i I agree i don't don't know if it was that necessary to to it it didn't work to me it didn't work it was so thin they didn't just kind of felt like an afterthought well they didn't get too deep into it so i i don't know i guess i didn't really which uh another thing with, with her character um is it Oz, Oz, Ozka? Ozka? Yeah, Oska. Is her name? Um, I also kind of found it irritating, and I hate this um, sort of uh, this trait that the characters always have, where they just won't talk. Yeah, like they're supposed to be like this stoic badass. Which, like, sometimes it works, but most of the time it's just really annoying. Like, people are just asking simple questions. Yeah. And she won't talk. And so much of the film is just this, like, dead filler of, like, a guy asking a question or a person asking a question. She doesn't say anything. And they're like, you got to talk to me. She doesn't say anything. And it's just like, okay, we get it. Let's just move on. Like, have your character fucking talk once in a while. Yeah, it was weird. It was not. I mean, they even pointed out, like the one, the one guy even points it out. The detective, he's like, "Just you need to talk. You like, you need to communicate." <laughs> this is- and it's like you're just. He's asking like really simple questions, where it's just like she doesn't have to be stoic in this moment. She can like utter a one word answer, anything, just something. Let's like let's move it along here. Yeah. I, I I had the same kind of issues that you did within this with this movie, but I actually uh, I actually enjoyed it. I th- I had fun with it. I didn't love it or anything, but I thought that it was this kind of interesting genre mashup. There's a lot of the, there there were the noir elements to it for sure, um, but the the thing that kind of took me by surprise was the the action elements. Like there's mm-hmm. a there's a pretty decent car chase in it, and then the scene where she does go sort of full on badass and chases the guy down, uh, I thought was done really well. Oh yeah, the, when she <laughs> chases him through through the, through the train, yeah, 
and just like dives at him at every opportunity and just she just goes a- to fucking town because we got to point out she's she's super into Thai boxing yeah so you get which was a delightful surprise I did not know that that was going to be you know a facet to this movie and once that that was introduced I was just like yes yeah yes please I want to see her tie box everyone yeah I mean it, it it must be underscored that she is a badass and she's not like the hapless victim she's not like you know the the final girl that's in constant peril she's she can definitely hold her own and i think that it's sort of an interesting dynamic to have this sort of suave serial killer uh sort of have the tables turned on him and be be the one who gets hunted by her i I definitely liked that dynamic yeah The, the only other thing that they i think where they screw up is the whole um with the detective, which at first it was like, okay, you know, he kind of like helps her out, gives her a place to stay. But for them to, for her to like seduce him just felt, it felt weird. Yeah. It's just like, no, don't do that. It was like, Oh, this doesn't make sense. You're just doing this to do it. It was like, Oh, she saw him taking care of his, uh, his father who has, dementia or alzheimer's and she's like oh okay yeah let's let's do this and then like the next (laughs) thing is just like her in her underwear like walking into his room and it's just like why why is this happening yeah i I don't think this needs to happen yeah i i agree with that completely like it just it just wasn't wasn't necessary for that to happen no but there is uh the the her the action sequences like that that uh, the the car chase where it's like her driving and like those two fighting in the car mm-hmm. like that was pretty good yeah but like we are we already kind of stated like the quality just completely changes which kind of throws you off like you said it's a bit jarring so I I don't know if I like fully enjoyed that sequence because i was just so thrown off and i like i'm sitting there trying to figure out why does it look different but when it like towards the end with her chasing him through the subway and then like the final showdown at Mm -hmm. the detective's house who there is uh i i'm a big fan that she goes to her elbows a lot like there's just yeah she's elbowing people in the face like 16 17 times <laughs> yeah. in a row just going rapid pun- rapid punches to the face kicks just going all out and there's one scene that i love where she's just beating the piss out of the guy and he is he's pretty much out of it at this point he's barely hanging on he's just kind of grasping at air and trying to get her off and like she backs up a little bit and he's you know he's pretty much on his way out and then she just picks him up and just fucking slams him into the bookcase and i just lost it i just started laughing and i was like yes i love this right now yeah i i was really impressed with all it was such a surprise like i did not expect that 
at all. And I was, I was just really, really impressed with the, the action scenes. And that's the thing that kind of bums me out a little bit is you've, you've shown numerous times over that she can really handle it herself in these action sequences. And we spend so much time with these lulls. Yeah, a lot of like her trying to figure out where she's going to sleep and what to do. So we should back up a little bit. She has uh, her. He, she has this kid who is her her cousin's daughter, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, something happens to the the cousin. I won't spoil anything with that. But she ends up with the kid. And a lot of the movies just her figuring out where to go with with the kid and yeah. taking care of this <laughs> and she, kid. And she finds numerous places, but she won't say why she needs to be there. And so she ends up just leaving. Like she doesn't like any of these places. Yeah. And it's like just open your fuck you saw a serial killer. The serial killer saw you. Just explain it real quick. People will understand. They'll be like, oh shit, this is this is something that I need to, regardless of history between us, I need to help you in this moment. Yeah. Because there's a serial killer after you. There's like, also, it makes complete sense. There's also a scene that, that I liked a lot where she ends up getting caught on fire in, in one scene. Yeah. And I, it looked like I couldn't tell if it was CG or not. It looked real. And I was like, if they actually caught her on fire, that's really impressive that she did that. See, to me, at, at the beginning, it looked like it was real. Yeah. And towards the end, it looked like it was fake. Yeah. I I, I don't know. It, but either way, it looked, I thought it looked good. And I, th- I thought that scene was really, really good, too. Uh, th- I noticed there were... Uh, a lot of sort of cultural references happening in this in the movie where they frequently talk about her being like a foreigner and I don't know if you picked up on any of those conversations where they were talking yeah. about her like not speaking correctly and not being from the area and stuff like that and I, f- I felt like they got into that like a whole lot and I think that there might have been some elements to that that were lost in translation, like at least for, you know, U.S. audiences. Yeah. Because when you look at the killer and his motives and all of that stuff, I feel like that that seems to be very uh, maybe culturally and politically charged as well. Yeah. And I, I, I think that maybe that was sort of like yeah. a, a specific thing to that area yeah i think if, if you're more so for like the german audience the austrian audience maybe you you'll pick up on some, you know some levels to it that we didn't really because they, they mentioned something about her being like turkish or something mm-hmm. and the detective seemed to be really focused on pointing that out a lot and so yeah i think that i think there was something there with that and then of course the like the motivations of the the killer and all of that yeah which um i like 
the ending of this. I thought I don't know if I've seen that before. Yeah, I thought that that was incredible. Actually, <laughs> I was just like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> like, it was like she, that is the best. She, like when as she's doing it, you know, setting it up and preparing, I'm just kind of like, "Oh, what is she doing exactly?" Like, where's she yeah, taking yeah, w- w- What's the plan here? And then you, when you see it, when you see it, yeah, you're just like, the- "Holy shit!" <laughs> Like, ah, oh, okay, I gotcha. That's the plan. I don't know if I've seen that before. Yeah. Really badass. Really awesome. Uh, you had mentioned you saw this uh, before me. Probably not Probably not much before me. We both watched it yesterday, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, and and you you told me to remind you to, to mention the scene with a dog. Uh-huh. And I think I know which scene you were referring to. Was Who it? transports their dog in the trunk yeah. of their car? <laughs> Which is the fact that the guy <laughs> transports his dog in his trunk. What the fuck? So the detective, he has this dog. He has a German Shepherd. And there's a scene where the, do- the dog goes out and he's bringing the dog back. And it, they show him opening his trunk and the dog's getting out of the trunk. And I'm like... It's just laying in the trunk of the car. What the fuck? Like, nobody does that. You, you don't that transport a, a dog and... <laughs> you don't transport your dog in the trunk of your car. Come on. Is that a, Maybe that's a German thing. Or a Europe thing. I don't know. I've never seen that before in my entire life. Utterly ridiculous. And it was just... It, and it's presented in such a like a normal like, like it's a normal yeah. thing. Like that's how you transport your dog around. You put them in the trunk, and they lay down in the trunk, and you just pop the trunk. When you get home, they hop out. I've never perfect size for a dog. <laughs> it just doesn't seem right. Doesn't seem no, right to me driving around with a dog in your trunk. I don't know. I did, I wasn't a big fan of that detective to begin with, and then when I saw that, I'm just like, no. Nah. I'm done with you, sir. And also, clean your wall. What was that? (laughs) There's this... So, in his kitchen, there's this, like, brown... Disgusting brown splatter on his wall. And every time... Now, I think there was only, like, maybe one scene or two scenes that took place in that kitchen. But every time that they were in there, I was completely focused on that brown stain yeah. that splatter I'm on his wall. trying to figure out what it is yeah. and why has it not been cleaned up. Yeah. I, there's no explanation <laughs> as to what it is, why it's there. And it's it's, it's not just, like it's not like a water a, stain or anything like that. It looks no. like it's it's something that can be cleaned up. It's like a food splatter or like shit Somebody, or something. It looks like someone threw beef stew. Yeah, and uh, it's just—it's such an odd, an odd choice, like in production design, you know, or set design, where you're like, okay, let's put this on the wall. Big smear, big splash of beef broth or gravy or whatever. We'll just—that's going to be a part of this this room, and we're never going to speak about it. <laughs> it's, like, it's such just, a weird. Such a, it's such a weird thing. And I just, I was so fixated on it. I don't, it's I don't, distracting. Yeah. A lot of, uh, a lot of 
just strange choices with this movie. It's it's sort of uh, it's definitely a messy film for oh, sure. Yeah, it's definitely messy. It's it's fun though. I had fun, I had fun with it. I enjoyed it uh, for the most part. Any final thoughts on Cold Hell? Like you said, it's a mess. I will. I. It's not that. I, to be honest, I didn't one hundred percent enjoy it, but at the same time, it was kind of a slightly entertaining watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, for the most part, it's the one the strength of uh, Violetta Schrallo, who plays the the up was Oscar Oska Oska. Oska, which is a name I've never heard before. Yeah. Plays Oska. And it's just like the movie didn't realize what they had. Where, like, she was just awesome in all these action sequences. And they it seems like they kind of wasted her. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. Um, This was uh, probably one of the one of the best Shutter exclusives I've seen so far. This is definitely up there as one of their their best ones and they're still new they don't have a whole lot of these exclusives under their under their belt and i'm sure that they'll be getting better as the i think that the service is definitely growing in popularity so i'm sure that we'll see more quality coming out of them the i think prevenge was probably up there as well but yeah this this was definitely one of the better ones that i've seen from them uh all right let's give this thing a score i will give cold hell a six out of ten i give it a five there you go definitely i'd say it's worth checking out just for the kind of 90s throwback that that i felt from it and and those those awesome action scenes. Yeah, like if this is a genre that you're into, it's definitely worth a look. Because when she kicks the shit out of him, did that sweet oh, saxophone score going? Oh, you gotta have that saxophone in there. Kidding me? All right, let's talk about some of what we've been watching. Uh, Kevin, I think we'll start it with you. What uh, what do you got okay. going on this week? Uh, I watched on uh, on Filmstruck. They added one, at least they put one on there. Charles Burnett movie from 1983, My Brother's Wedding. Uh, this is... It is... Uh, it's a bit of a mess low quality you know is is an indie movie uh and it's populated mostly with i think for the most part it's nothing but non-actors and and a lot of the a lot of scenes you can tell and like the you know the quality is inconsistent with their acting skills like some is some scenes they're like man you got good chemistry here feels real and then there's other there's other sequences where it's a little bit rough, but it's also oddly like part of its charm. And it just at the center. Well, what it deals with is this this guy played by Everett Silas Pierce. He like he can't stand his brother, his older brother, 
who's uh, a lawyer, and he just kind of like hates the upper class or the middle class. And he, against his wishes, decides to be the best man in the wedding because his parents essentially force him to. But most of the movie, like, there's little interaction with his brother throughout the movie. It's mostly him hanging out at his parents' place of, they, like, they own, a, like, a dry cleaner type place. So it's him mostly hanging out there and hanging out with his, his buddy that just got out of prison, soldier. And kind of them just, like, hanging about. And, uh, it's, it's pretty good. There's, there's, like just straight up flashes of brilliance where like everything just comes together and the filmmaking is so great like just the framing and the way that it's shot so it's one of the it's a bit uneven but you almost want it to be that way like mm. i can't imagine it being anything else besides that and it's just a nice look at uh like the la area circa 1983 so it's definitely worth a look Cool, and that's called uh, My Brother's Wedding. You can check that out if you have Filmstruck. I saw Tomb Raider, star of the big one. Yeah, so, you know, I I was kind of hoping that this would break the video game curse, although I, I didn't really have any kind of expectations for it. Uh, and it it did not break the video game curse. I think it, it did in the sense that it wasn't horrible. Like, it wasn't... Like, Assassin's Creed, I think that's... Might have been the last video game adaptation that came out. And that was not good. Uh, Warcraft was not good. Like, those movies were not hmm. enjoyable to watch. Like, I just... I actively disliked those I movies. Still can't that's With movie. Tomb Raider, it was just like... I'm watching it and I'm just kind of sitting there and they're going through the motions and I'm just like, all right. And then it was over and I was like, okay, well, that was, you know, an, an hour and a half of my life that just I spent doing this and let me just move on. And it was just a nothing of a movie. There was nothing <clears throat> interesting about it. And that's the problem with it. Like Alicia Vikander was great uh, as Lara Croft. I liked that casting choice, but she just didn't do anything that interesting. Like they mm. didn't give her much to work with. And Walton Goggins was the bad guy and they just didn't give him that much to work with either. Like everything felt flat and boring and just mediocre. Like all the action scenes were just like, Oh yep. And then there's that. And then she does this and there we go. And it's just, Nothing about it. Like this is a this is such a forgettable movie. Like I guarantee you, a month to two months from now, I will forget that this movie even exists. It's just, it's such a nothing of a movie. It's not like there's things that are like actively terrible about it. Although I think that the dialogue a a, a lot of the dialogue is pretty rough. Like it's pretty cheesy, but for the most part, it's just very dull just manila manila folder <laughs> that's kind of what i gathered from the trailer because usually with like an action movie you know they're perfect for trailers like you should be able to sell yeah an action movie in a trailer and if you can't like if i'm bored by your trailer 
That's exactly. Not good. Uh, I and yeah, I completely agree. The trailers for this one over uh, just like f- those cut, sort of fell flat. And it does it's it's an adaptation of if you're not familiar with the where what they're doing with the video game series, they they rebooted it a few years ago and they made a completely new game uh it they they redid like Lara Croft like she looks different she's um it's much more sort of grounded in reality it's a lot grittier a lot darker and it's a lot better like the the um the game the original game they they've come out with two since then there was uh i think i think the original one was called Rise of the Tomb Raider but um at any rate, the game was great. Like it was by far the best one in the entire series. And they lifted the plot of of the movie right from that that original game. Although okay. the, but they added a lot of stuff and they changed a lot of stuff and it just the story's just not that interesting anymore. Like playing the game, the story was really great. Uh, it was like you know her. It was sort of her first adventure, and some st- some stuff happens where somebody that's on the expedition with her, like somebody that's on her team, ends up dying, and she's just like throughout the whole the majority of the game, she's just racked with guilt around this this event. So it's an interesting dynamic to have in a video game, but in the movie they change it up so that it's just really one dude that's going with her on this and then he ends up having to like save her multiple times and it's just like nah this doesn't feel right this doesn't feel like Lara Croft you know like she's the badass she's the heroine like why is this other dude involved save Lara Croft yeah and and it's the it's the guy from um into the badlands which I like that guy but mm, this just it didn't didn't really and I get that, like this is her supposed to be her first adventure, and so she's a little, she's not like the crazy badass that she will become just yet. But I think that making her just be in constant need of help is just—I don't know—I'm just not into it. Anyway, uh, I would say skip Tomb Raider. It's not very good. All right. <clears throat> I was kind of figuring it wasn't. No, I've been catching up on <clears throat> these uh, new director, new films coming out for... Uh, Where's that? That plays at... Uh, what is it? Lincoln? Yeah, Lincoln Center. Lincoln, yes, Lincoln Center. I always forget the name of that place. Uh, one of which that I watched is... Helena Whitman's Drift. So this one, this is an interesting movie. Uh, some really unexpected things going on here. First, the, like the way that it starts off is just these two women. They're they're on vacation. It seems like right, and they're just spending time together. They're just on on the beach. Just small scenes of them on the beach, eating food, talking a little bit here and there, sitting out on their balcony, smoking cigarettes, whatever. And then they go their separate ways. Like it's really, like there's nothing really going on in that beginning portion outside of just two people spending some time together. They seem to be enjoying themselves. Uh, One woman goes back to 
her home in Argentina. And the other woman is she gets on a, a sailing vessel and crosses the Atlantic Ocean. So in like the beginning stages of this, it's just, you know, the camera, the focus of the movies on her, you know, boarding the ship and everything. And then all of a sudden it, it just it changes to where the cameras are like affixed somewhere on the actual sailing vessel itself and just films the ocean for like the entirety of the journey. So all of a sudden, like, you, you know the movie uh, Leviathan, that, like, ethnographic uh, documentary? Uh-huh. Where they just kind of put cameras on this uh, fishing ship? Yeah. It's like that. I was a big fan but of Leviathan. It just, just ocean. And it, she does that for 30 minutes. That sounds a little too much for me. I don't know if I'd be able to handle I, that. It, to me, it worked. Like at the beginning stages, I was like, "Okay, this is unexpected. This is uh, this is kind of like experimental. I I kind of like what you're doing here." And then there does come a point where you're kind of like, "Okay, are, are we are we just doing ocean from here on out, or like what what? Because like the narrative's just completely gone. It's just ocean. And then I at a certain like another certain point comes where I like I just crossed over again. And I was just like, okay, yeah, because the way that she's kind of setting it up is that they like this is this uh, like transformative experience of her sailing across the Atlantic Ocean, and it's almost like she's recreating that in the film itself by just showing what you know the thing that is transformative, which is the ocean and. Kind of like she does, uh, like during the daytime, and then it kind of switches to the ocean at night, and then it gets kind of a little more experimental where you can't really even tell if it's the ocean anymore because the way she plays with it. And then it, the way that it ends is, of course, she gets home and she's kind of like this changed person, and then they, they Skype to each other. And like the final shot, like the way that they end it is just. It's damn near perfect. Hmm. Might have to check it out. Yeah, it's uh, it's different. Okay. Uh, sorry, what's that called again? Drift. Drift. Yeah, drift. Interesting. So that'll be playing uh part of uh, as part of new directors, new films, which starts March. Was that twenty eighth or something like that? March twenty eighth, I think. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm looking at a bunch of stuff from uh, a new film festival that's going to be in New York called What the Fest. It's uh, IFC is putting it on. It's a genre film festival. Uh, it's pretty. It's a pretty small film festival, but they have a lot of really great titles. Uh, now I can't really review any of this stuff just yet, but I can sort of uh, mention what I've been seeing and maybe you can decide if it's something worth seeing uh, based on that. The first one uh, I saw was called Satan's Slaves. This is directed by Joko Enwar. Uh, This is a remake of a movie that came out in, I think, the early 80s. And it's a Malaysian film, I believe. Sort of a, a haunted house story okay done done very it's it's done very effectively um there's there's a few interesting dynamics 
in it. Um, one of them being that the um, one of the children in the house is um, he's deaf. So yeah. he he's he starts seeing some of these like kind of horrific things and stuff, but he can't, you know, fully communicate what's what's going on. Um, so that was certainly an interesting dy- dynamic. But I would say as far as haunted house films go, you know, I'm not reviewing, I'm not gonna give my opinion on it, but it's maybe one to look out for. It's called Satan's Slaves. I don't have a movie to talk about, but I just something that I just discovered today. So I don't know when this happened. But if uh, any of you out there have movie, or you're thinking of getting movie, you know, in the past movie was just you know one film a day was introduced, and then you had like thirty days to watch said movie. Mm-hmm. Well, when I got on today to see what you know what the now showing movie of the day was, I realized that they have a link up at the top for rentals. So they now have rentals on movie, which is something they used to have like way, way, way back in the day before they changed it up. So they have like a whole slate of movies on here that you can rent for three ninety nine. So, and just from like a quick glance of what they have. There's there's uh, some pretty decent stuff on here. They got a lot of Lav Diaz movies. You got anti pornos on there. Yeah, that was Tarkovsky. Okay, <laughs> so it seems like maybe what they do is they they premiere it and then after it expires, you can rent it. Yeah, which has always been my issue. Like recently, this is something that happened. They had a Zanussi. Uh, retrospective where they played like four of his movies from the 60s and 70s like stuff that's rare you can't find it it's not on dvd and i was super excited i'm a fan of zanussi but i never had an opportunity to watch him and it sucks because you only get 30 days but if it happens to correlate with the time where you know like right now i'm busy with new directors new films trying to squeeze them in and write reviews for them i can't watch any of this stuff yeah so it's nice to have this option now where I'm like, four bucks? You know, I can do that, especially for stuff that's not on DVD where, like, you can't find it. Sure. Four bucks isn't bad. Four bucks is not bad. Yeah, so I just wanted to throw that out there. Interesting. Yeah, check check that out. While you're at it, if you want to stream some movies for free, you can check out Film Pulse Selects. That has officially launched. I don't oh. know if I mentioned it on the show. No, I don't think you did on the show terrible again i need i need to hire a marketing person to help me remember to plug <laughs> things and and do all that but we have uh two two films released right now you can check out uh truth with wine which is directed by theodore uh Kalados. he's a regular on on our site i think he's definitely a, a friend of film pulse um indeed uh, that film that film is a limited release so that'll be up until uh march 31st so be sure to check that out short films like eight eight minute short documentary uh definitely worth a look and then the other one that that was released um earlier this week was uh it, it's a film called bride it's another short documentary and this one's about 28 minutes and it's about um women who uh were 
victims of trafficking, human trafficking, and uh, definitely a powerful and very depressing but important documentary. So check that out, and you can watch all that stuff for for free. Just go to filmpulseselects.com. There you go. I also want to correct myself. Uh, Satan Slaves is Indonesian. It's not Malaysian. Okay. It's in, it's Indonesian. Another one that I saw at uh, What the Fest was Ghost Stories. This is one that I've been keeping my eye on for a long time. I heard, I heard a decent amount of buzz about it. And so I, I think it played at... I can't remember. There was a festival that I went to that it was playing at, and I was really bummed that I wasn't able to squeeze it in. Um, but this is, uh, it's directed by Jeremy Dyson and Andy uh, Neiman, or Nyman. And it's based on a stage play that uh, they produced. And it is a, it's about this, um, this professor who, makes his career as, as sort of a debunker. Like he goes to um, psychic shows and stuff like that and debunks all of their stuff. And he'll, so he sort of, he, he writes books on it and he made a career out of debunking the supernatural. And he gets a, this sort of mysterious cassette tape from, this man who was sort of his inspiration it was this guy who he really looked up to, who was a famous uh, debunker in the seventies, I believe. And he goes to see him. The guy, he thought that the guy was dead, I think, but it turned out that he was very much alive and he, he goes to see him and the guy gives him three cases and he's like, look at these and you're, you're going to be a changed man. So it's, so the film is broken up into three different cases and those cases. So, so in a way it's an anthology uh, story that just has bigger bookends than, than some of them. And they all kind of tie together at the end, you know, like, uh, like tales from the hood or <laughs> one of those, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, Martin Freeman's in it. Um, Alex Lothar's in it. A bunch of a uh, bunch of other people are are in it. Uh, ghost stories again. Can't really say what I thought on it just just yet, but um, I should have a review up for that after it uh, after it screens at the festival. That's all I got. All right. Um, let's see. Do I have anything else that I want to talk about? One more that I'll that I'll mention is called Low Life. Uh, this is another one that's that's screening at What the Fest. Um, I, I, I think that this, I think this has a release date of sometime in April, if I'm not mistaken. It's directed by Ryan Prowse. It's sort of this. Uh, it, it's definitely a a Tarantino esque. Uh, crime story where it's this kind of crime comedy that's got some some pretty dark elements to it some it's it, pretty violent but it follows the lives of these people who are all kind of intermingled um one of them is a uh, mexican wrestler 
One of them is a hotel or a motel owner. Um, and then, and then the other ones are like sort of gangster guys and they, they sort of, all their, all their lives get mixed up together through, through this, uh, series of events. And it's incredibly, I'd say if, uh, if you're familiar with, uh, uh, a film called Pulp Fiction. You may, you may, Ooh. you may feel be f- find yourself in familiar territory with this one. Okay. Again, not going to say much about it, but uh, maybe maybe keep an eye out for for this one. It's called Low Life. Okay. All right. Let's talk about some releases, new releases coming up uh, in theaters this week. We have Pacific Rim Uprising. Uh, that's a hard pass for me on that one. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. Does not look good. Sherlock no- Gnomes comes out, uh, and that's another hard pass for me. <laughs> uh, they keep cranking out these gnome movies. Like, what the hell? Does anyone watch them, though? I've I'd... never heard of anyone watching one of these gnome movies. I mean, I, I they keep making them, so I can only assume that that kids are seeing them and it's they're making money i guess i don't know yeah i don't know midnight sun comes out uh looks like a uh, romance romance movie we got unsane this is the new steven soderbergh that's such a terrible title unsane yeah i'm gonna see it uh although i've said it before on this show I do not like movies that involve people and mental illness and then you trying to figure out if they're crazy or not. Yeah. I just, I don't don't like that. I feel like we see that so much in movies and it's just, I don't want to, but either way, I'm going to see it because it's Soderbergh and it looks like maybe, maybe could take it into an interesting direction. We got Paul, Apostle of Christ, and we got Isle of Dogs is coming out in limited release on Friday. Limited. Comes out wide April, sometime in April. I feel like you did that just to, that the, the, the first limited that you said was the knife stab, <laughs> and then the second slow limited was just a slight twist of that. It's a, I think it only comes out in limited like a week or so ahead of time. I think it's like April 6th or something that it goes wide. So it's not like that, that long. And we have Final Portrait. We have I Killed Giants, uh, which nah, that one, it could be interesting, but I think that I think that it's gonna be really. It's. I think it sort of looks like that. Um, what was that movie with with like the kid who imagined the monsters? Oh my god! What was that? That movie looks so terrible. Came out last year, I think. Yes. Anyway, this sort of looks like that same concept where it's like a young girl who imagines these a monster calls yeah that's it a monster calls yeah see it says here an oddball girl named barbara thornson thorson 
regularly brings a Norse warhammer to her middle school and has a detailed imaginary life in which she is a skilled giant hunter. However, her flights of fantasy may might be an attempt to cope with troubles at home. <laughs> However, her flights of fantasy might be an attempt to cope with troubles at home. Thanks for spelling it out for us, guys. And you know what? I'm gonna I'm not gonna say they might be. I'm gonna say they absolutely definitely are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like they might be. We don't know. We're not gonna tell you. We're not gonna Watch say. The movie. Find out. But I hope so, because uh, I think I would be kind of. Could you imagine if you watched it and it turned out that it wasn't? I don't know. Might be. Might be cool. Uh, a horror film called Pie Wacket comes out. Yeah, this is by uh, Adam McDonald. Yeah, Adam McDonald, Backcountry. Um, this is this is one I'm interested in. I'm definitely gonna try to seek this one out this week. I guess something against the woods. Yeah, he's not. Something happened to him in the woods. <laughs> he's got something. He's working through something. <laughs> something going on with the woods, man. Uh, Game Over Man comes out. This is from the Workaholic guys. Their new sort of diehard comedy diehard esque spoof got bag of marbles getting grace and let's see and pretty much it uh let's see beauty and the dogs what we started it's a that's a music documentary about edm i think yes okay <laughs> I feel like over the last year, there's been about 10 documentaries about EDM. And I feel like it it all started from the first one. Because then there was someone that watched that and they were like, uh-uh, I got to make the real documentary of EDM. I got to tell the true and was, story. Yeah, and then someone watched that one and was like, uh-uh, they forgot about this. Because there's like 50,000 EDM performers. Yeah. This guy's more interesting. I'm going to tell his story. Yeah. You don't have to tell any of their stories. No, you really that. don't. You really don't. VOD this week. On the 20th, we have Blood and Glory, But Deliver Us from Evil, 10 Billion, What's on Your Plate. That sounds like a, a yet another food documentary. Apocalypsis. As far as the eye can see, uh, and then on the 23rd, Friday, we have Roxanne Roxanne on Netflix. Uh, Game Over Man is on Netflix. I'll give that a watch. I, I found Workaholics to be pre- pretty funny for the most part. Uh, it got a little grating at times, so I'm not sure what a, yeah. what a feature-length movie okay. with these guys is going to entail, but... I could never get into, like it's 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 amusing here and there, but I think for me overall, it's just man, it was exhausting. I would say I would say you should check <laughs> out Corporate on Comedy Central. It's a it's a new show that's it's another workplace show, but it's done in a much much drier way than something like workaholics and it is uh it's definitely sort of more your and my my style of comedy where there's a lot of like just kind of 
dark, weird things that tend to bubble up in the show. Hmm. But yeah, corporate. Check that out. Definitely a gem. I Kill Giants is going to be on VOD. Uh, Madam is going to be on uh, VOD on the 23rd. That's all we got there. Let's check out Blu-ray this week. We got The Burbs from 1989. Yes. Coming out on blue. I know that this this came out on Blu-ray before. Maybe this is like some kind of... This is a collector's edition. Yeah, I don't see what the special features are on this, but I might... If they're good, I might have to pick that up. Because I love The Burbs. Uh, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle coming out yes yeah the the church from 1989 getting a blu-ray release as well as images from 1972 those both look interesting pitch perfect three coming out downsizing offerings from 1989 black scorpion from 1957 Man, I am I just love that all of these kind of more obscure eighties releases are coming out on Blu-ray. Yes. It is wonderful. It's it's great. Nightmare at Noon from nineteen eighty eight, another one. Rockula from nineteen ninety, that looks amazing. <laughs> A pistol for Ringo and the Return of Ringo are coming out on Arrow. That's like a double pack. Those are from 1965. Underworld USA from 1961 coming out. Another one that looks really interesting. That's a limited edition. There's only 3,000 of those coming out. Underworld USA. I'm going to have to look into that. Delirium coming out. And that's pretty much all I have. What do we have on... Oh, I'm sorry. The Vanishing of Sydney Hall comes out as well. Can't forget that one. Lest we forget that. Uh, <laughs> what do we have on Criterion this week? Uh, we have a blue Blu-ray reissue of The Passion of Joan of Arc from 1928. It's one of the early Criterions. Getting well, Blu-ray. We'll have a uh, review for this one up um, by the time you're listening to this. Blake gave it a 10 out of 10. I imagine that it's probably pretty good. Yeah. It's a hell of a movie. And then a... This is kind of a lesser one, which is interesting. Uh, Ball from 1970 from Volker Schlandorf. So you got a big daddy and a deep cut. Nice. Criterion. Nice. Good week. Good week. Uh, All right. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to feedback at filmpulse.net. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulsenet and at filmpulsekevin. If you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakeshaw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.